Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen as Pastor Ward brings today's message from God's Word. Jude for a few moments tonight. I was going to move on away from uh, the study we've been in all the month of September on Wednesday nights as, as far as the services that I've taught and um, given the devotion in. But we're still in the, the month of our church and thinking about church and uh, encouraging, you, encouraging you about your church. There's so many people today that they don't any longer take seriously God's house. And uh, it's kind of a sad time from that respect. And so I'm just, we've been trying to, I know all month long, either Brother Allen or me or whoever was preaching, we've been talking to you about serving God and doing this and doing that. And, and, uh, and so uh, for one more time, if you just kind of humor me tonight or just kind of go along with me for one more time, I want to I look at, again at this charge that we have in the book of Jude. I believe with all my heart it's the greatest challenge that the church faces today and going forward. And I think that I can say that for maybe the last decade or so. One of the greatest challenges is to contend for the faith. It seems like everything else is going to pan out and work out. Uh, We have the buildings that we need. We have all the things that we need, not really challenged in a lot of areas But I tell you, the challenge is here, and it's very real when it comes to this matter of contending for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints, which was once delivered unto the saints. And of course, if you keep it in in context of what he's saying in the same verse, it it is the faith, contending for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints about the common salvation. That's that's staying in line with what he's saying. This common salvation. There are so many perceptions and ideologies and thoughts and, and everything from rhythm to rhyme about what it takes to be saved today. And so it's interesting to me that here in the very last of the epistles in the book of Revelation following, with all the things that could be said... The reminder in this little short chapter of 25 verses is contend for the faith. Contend for the faith. I've given you a lot of information about that, and I obviously don't have time to review it tonight. But our thought is found in verse number 3, a charge to contend. It's not just to the pastor and the administration, the deacons and the trustees and the teachers. It's to everybody. Every one of God's children is to accept this challenge, this charge, and contend for the faith. There's a lot of things that we can give up, and we have. There's a lot of things that we can surrender, and we have. There's a lot of cultural things, and there's a lot of, you know, um, things that just have to do with our pleasure and doing things our way. But there's one thing that can never be negotiated, and that is this faith, 
this faith. I want to challenge you tonight to take this charge and contend for the faith. I gave you the little illustration that I'd seen up at the hospital. And it, it has to do with when there's an intruder. And that's, that's, what, that's uh, the very meaning of uh, this person that crept in unawares. He was an intruder. And so up at the hospital, I, I, I told you about little stick men. And the three things that you can do when there's someone intruding, when, when intrusion is taking place. And one of them, it showed a picture of the stick man, and he takes off running. That's probably what I would do. Takes off running. Another one, he kneels down behind some furniture, and he hides. And so when there's an intrusion, you have those two options, and then finally, the last one, he's standing there with his fist up, and he's ready to fight. And now, I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. If we were to... Uh, we've been through all the classes and we've been through the training and all those kind of things, what to do when there's an intruder, when someone comes in uh, in those, those uh, very uh, dangerous situations. Um, you might, it might be best for you to run. That might be the best thing to do in that situation is take off and run. It might be best for you to hide if some intruder were to come in here to do us harm. Some would probably run, some would probably hide, and then there would be some who would fight. There'd be some who would fight. Now we have those three options, and I'm not trying to, I'm not talking to you about what you should do in that situation. You do whatever you have to do, I'm gonna do whatever I have to do. But when it comes to this command that's given to the church, you don't have an option to run. You can't run from this intrusion that's taken place. And I gave you some of the things that are going on uh, in our society and some of the things that are, how the government is now so blatantly intruding, uh, intruding on the church. And some examples that you know of, and it's happening all across the land. You, you, it's in the news yet again about the FBI's plan sometimes back to infiltrate the Catholic churches and, and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and they were sending people into those churches. It's a big scandal that's going on there now. Big scandal. But, you know, and, but in, um, when it comes to this matter of doctrine, when it comes to this matter of biblical theology, when it comes to this matter of applying biblical truth, especially when it comes to salvation, you can't run. Number two, you can't hide. Brother Rufus preached a message, you can run, but you can't hide. In this situation, you can't run or hide. The only option that is given to us is to contend for the faith. We must fight. Yes. And for those after us, they must fight. Those before us gladly fought. You know the history, and, and every year I go back and I read the Trail of Blood, and we keep copies on the back table. You see those, they're free. Take you one home and read it. There's been something over 60 million Christians have been martyred because of their faith in Christ. 
since Christ went to the cross of Calvary. You can, and so it should, it should encourage us. It should encourage us. Let me go quickly tonight and not get bogged down anywhere here. It's so easy to do that. We haven't even read the verses. We're going to read the verses tonight. Now, uh, not all the comments that I'll make we have on the screen tonight. I didn't have time today uh, to add anything from what we already said, but I already had for the screen. And so he talks about this, and he talks about these, these uh, lascivious people. And uh, they're, they're people who are unrestrained in their behavior. And those are the ones that you have to watch out for. Now, we got down to last week, we got down to these three questions. And, and, but let me say this, let me say this, and, and it came to me just a little bit ago uh, to, uh, in, in the analogy that I was giving you about you know, running and hiding and fighting. Running, hiding, or fighting. Here's the, here's the characteristics that, that, uh, that, we, that we get from those three postures. If we run, now again, don't take it for shootings and all those. I'm talking about in our modern day churches. I'm talking about in our churches and uh, your position about holding holding to the holding the line and and uh, making sure that you that you do your part to protect to protect this great truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ by the way I, I'm not out of bounds when I say that Baptist churches they have a lot of Baptist churches have lost their way when it comes to this matter of what you must do to be born again and so number one, if you run, number one, a run, to run from this is to be a coward, to be a coward. Number two, to hide is to be a compromiser. The coward in the situation, he runs. The compromiser in the situation, he hides. And just kind of blends in with the crowd. I don't know... I, I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to. I, I don't want to be called a coward when it comes to this book. I don't want to be called a compromiser when it comes to this book. I have a whole message, and I have it over here, and I was going to go to it about the characteristics of a compromiser. You don't have to make them up; they're right here in the Word of God. And uh, and so we have these three different ones: the one who runs, he's a coward. The one who compromises, the one who hides, he's a compromiser. The one who fights is the contender. He's the contender. And that's what he told us to do, a charge to contend for the faith. Now, and um, I, I don't know, maybe the message might have more meaning at a pastor's fellowship, I don't know. But I think the whole church should know this. We should know that it is our responsibility to tug the line, to tug the line. Now, how do we contend? That's verses 1 through 3. That is our challenge. Let's read some verses tonight. Then I have two or three things to say to you very quickly, and then we'll move on from this. But I, I believe that it is really good uh, as far as being important to us. And so verses 1 through 3, we'll look at those. How... We can contend. This is the challenge. The challenge is found in the first three verses. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, 
to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Christ Jesus and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, I love that, I underlined it in my Bible. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. The challenge to contend. Verses 4 through 19 are obviously a little bit longer, but it is the cause. We don't have that in our notes. You can write them down in the corner, in the side. And so we have a challenge, and the challenge comes with a cause. And that's the way it is in the Scripture. That was the way it was when David, remember when Goliath was parading up and down the mountainside and he'd been out there 40 days and David came forward and, uh, and took the challenge and they took the challenge because there was a cause. He said, is there not a cause? And so we have kind of a, a, a biblical scenario that's kind of been planted in, and it's that way with all the battles in the scripture. We don't fight without cause. We don't get involved without cause. We, we don't go around initiating battles. I believe that as a child of God, you'll have a whole, you'll have plenty of battles to deal with if you never initiate a one. There are plenty of battles on hand. And so I think it would just kind of be, behoove us to pick and choose the battles. The battles that have to do with the common salvation. We're not going to fuss and argue with others. And by the way, I, 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 don't, I don't have time to deal with other people's issues. i got enough of my own. And so we see in verses 4 through 19, the cause. There is something that we are to defend against. And it starts with the word for. Here's the reason why. I've given you a challenge, and here's the reason for the challenge. Here's the cause that you're to contend for the faith. Begins in verse number four. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of God, of our God, into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's read on. We haven't been past there. Look, what, look what's going on. And this is just before the book of Revelation. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels, which here he's, he's given us a, a catalog of people uh, that are involved in this intrusion. And the angels which kept, their, kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the day of judgment, of the, uh, the, unto the judgment of the great day. And then he included another group of people. Another group of people. Even Sodom and Gomorrah. Isn't that interesting? And the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication, and look at this phrase, and going after strange flesh. 
it probably says in the column in your Bible, going after other flesh, going after other flesh, are, uh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. I heard someone say, there one time the president of the Southern Leadership Conference, and I heard him say from his own mouth, this was many years ago, he said there's not one place in the New Testament that the Bible ever condemns homosexuality. Not one place. I've run across three, at least three, and probably even more than that. Likewise, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak, eagle, e e eagle, speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Durst not bring accusation or against him railing accusation speaking to the devil but said the Lord rebuke thee. You better pick your battles. But these speak evil of those which they know not. But what they know naturally as brute beasts in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them. And he identifies three different people here. He said woe unto them for they have gone the way of Cain. That is the way of a false sacrifice. The era of Cain was his wrong sacrifice and ran greedily after the era of Balaam for reward. Balaam, if you take time to go back in the book of Numbers and read the story about him, you'll see that he carried a false message. And three times, three times, God tried to turn him back again and again and even used his own donkey to try to correct him from the false message that he was carrying. His message was a message like the message we have in this story. And, and his message was uh, to Balak was that, that there's, the only thing that God can do is show his vengeance. God doesn't have mercy. And the only thing that's going to happen to you is God's going God's to pay you off for what you've done. But the reality of it is God always has mercy. Grace is always sufficient. God's, if there's anything this Bible teaches from cover to cover, God is in the business of reconciliation. And we should be that way ourselves. Amen. But Balaam wasn't teaching that. He said, God, God just kills you when you do wrong. God's just going to kill you because you've done wrong. Well, and then he goes on. And so here's a false sacrifice, a false message. And then he talks about Cory or Korah. And they perish with the gainsayings of Korah. And uh, that is a false allegiance. Remember the story uh, there with Moses and how God had killed a whole bunch of people. These are spots in your feast of charity. They've infiltrated. They've intruded. They've come into the assembly. These are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Are you listening? Clouds that are without water, carried about with winds, trees. Second Peter talks about this as well. Uh, trees who, whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead and plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out of their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved blackness and darkness forever. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, 
Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints and to execute judgment, and he will upon all and convince all that are ungodly among them that are uh, their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed. I think that's pretty clear. And all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurs, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaketh great and swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. And then verse number 17, he said, But beloved, remember the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time, who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves sensual, fleshly, having not the Spirit of God. Now, those, and so we looked in the first three verses at the challenge to contend. Now we look at the cause that we could, should contend, and then in closing tonight in our little simple devotion, the charge is found in verses 20 through 25, and that'll be the end tonight. And so the question is, in my mind, is how do we contend? How do we counter this thing? Uh, how, do, how can we continue on in this day and hour? He said in verse number 20, let's read these three verses. He said, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of of our Lord Jesus, Brother Alan talked about it Sunday, just keep on looking for Jesus to come unto eternal life. And, but, uh, but go on, he said, and if some have compassion making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now to him that is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. So the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever, and he closes with amen. So he gives us five very simple things to do. In verse number 20, he said, build yourself up. Build yourself up. I'm thankful we have a, a, brand, a brand new, he's not, well, he's not brand new, he's brand new at being our Sunday school superintendent. Josh took that over, and he's got some great plans for our Sunday school program. You don't have a great church without a great Sunday school program. You got to have a. Oh, you've got to have. Uh, you've got to have a Sunday school program that that has goals and and uh, and and uh, make sure that you know that we're teaching and doing the things. And so we uh, to build on a, a wonderful program already. Uh, but but Sunday school is to build up. According to book of chapter four, of the book of Ephesians, it's about building up the body of Christ, teaching apostles and and pastors, and teachers, and teachers, and teachers, building up yourselves. But you got to do it yourself from time to time. Here's something else. He said, uh, well, to be praying. Everybody believes in prayer. If I were to ask for a raise of hands tonight, how many people believe in prayer? Believe in the power of prayer? How, it, you'd, be, you'd, you'd not be amazed to, to see that every hand in the auditorium would go up. But he said, praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Romans chapter number 8 tells us a little bit about there's praying and then there's praying in the Holy Ghost. 
There's praying and then there's fervent prayer. There's praying and there, then there's effectual prayer. These little now I lay me down to sleep, I pray my, the Lord my soul to keep. Guide me through the starry night, waken me at morning's light. God is good, God is great. Let us thank him. All those are great prayers, not anything wrong with I prayed those myself. I've actually prayed the prayer of Luke chapter number 11 when the disciples asked Jesus to teach us to pray. And Jesus taught them to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is. And I prayed that prayer before. But to pray in the Holy Ghost, to pray fervently, to pray effectually, with great intent. Number one, we've got to build ourselves up. Number two, we've got to learn to pray in the Holy Ghost. Almost said like, like a charismatic in the Holy Ghost. In the Holy Ghost. I don't, it won't come out any other way. So. <laughs> but Alan mentioned this on Sunday. Looking. Got to be looking. Jesus told his disciples more than one time, watch and pray. He said, when you see these things begin to come to pass, lift up, your, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Number one, we're to build up ourselves. Number two, we're to pray in the Holy Ghost. In verse number 21, by looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you, mercy and grace, grace and mercy, that's what this world needs tonight. They're already condemned. And I'm, I'm, I'm not saying we ought to back off on preaching the truth, but I tell you, people are condemned in their hearts already, according to the scripture. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. What to be sharing God's mercy with people. Verse number 22, number four, by making a difference. If you see any, any of our... Uh, publications around here, or church letters, school, all those kind of things. Uh, we, had, we adopted that verse many years ago, uh, this verse, uh, making a difference. It says on, on, some, on some things it'll say like, it'll say uh, 1969, since 1969, making a difference. That's what churches are for. If we can't make a difference in this community. If we can't make a difference in people who have no hope, if we can't share a little brightness and a little kindness, and every once in a while share even a little bit more than that, if we can't do that here and across the street and around the world, what is our purpose? What is our purpose? You, you, has it not been said before that the house of God is not a museum for the saints of God? We're not like a bunch of little ceramic dolls, you know, uh, sitting around on shelves in a, in a museum or in, in some kind of a room. God's house, God's people, they have a purpose, and that is to make a if we're not gonna, if we're not gonna make a difference in boys and girls and men and women and families and lives and homes, 
in our community and around the world. If we can't make a difference, let's take this seven acres, plow it up and plant some corn, turn this building into the building and the gym out there, turn them into barns. Set up a car lot out here somewhere. This is, this is a, a, a very... Uh, desirable area right through here. Thousands of cars every day pass by, right by here. Let's just, if we're not going to make a difference. I was down at, uh, I know Brother Montgomery and Brother Van Witten and their families were the uh, ones that God inspired to start Calvary Baptist Church. God knew what he was doing. I was over in that area, went to a car show over in Lake Park on Saturday for a little while and rode down that road. And I've never seen so many new houses we get houses around here, we get one, they, you got to have five acres to build one over here. You go over there and you can build them side by side. But over there by Calvary, I'm, I'm telling you, there, there are literally hundreds and hundreds of houses that have just, just built up all around that church. God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. He don't make any mistakes. He knew that 20-something, 30-something years ago, 40, whatever how many years ago that was. You got to make a difference. You got to make a difference. And then finally, pulling them out of the fire. Pulling them out of the fire. There are so many that are just one step from a devil's hell. And sometimes they just need somebody to grab them by the hand. And so, church, may I challenge you as pastor and member and all those kind of things. Let's contend for the faith. Let's contend. We're charged to do it from the scripture. Would you stand with us for prayer tonight? One said, We're too near the crown to lay down the cross. I'm sensing this day and hour that the message of the common salvation by grace through faith is not exactly what the world wants to hear. <laughs>